In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The events that unfold this night in the story of our salvation are overwhelming to try and comprehend. What makes them so overwhelming is not the events in and of themselves, the washing of the feet, the celebrating of the Passover, the breaking of the bread. These are not uncommon. What makes them so overwhelming to comprehend is the identity of the one who initiates them. And that one is our Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God made flesh, very God of very God, incarnate from the Virgin Mary and made a man. It is Jesus the Christos, true God and true man, who breaks the bread and shares the cup and washes the feet of his disciples. We may be able to imagine ourselves loving and serving our neighbors. We may even be able to imagine ourselves giving our own lives that another person might live. But for the Son of God to give and to serve and to love in this way, we simply cannot comprehend the depth of condescension. Not condescension in the modern negative sense of arrogance or superiority, condescension in the theological sense. That is, a person who voluntarily and willingly yields their position or their rank and assumes equality with one who is inferior to them. God did not just become a man, the creator becoming equal with his creation, but in Christ, God came among us as one who serves and loves and gives himself for our life and salvation. God does not merely assume equality with us, but he lowers himself to the lowest position as servant of all. We simply cannot comprehend the depth of condescension of the word become flesh. St. John Chrysostom in the fourth century points out that in our case, that is, as human beings, the slave and the free, they're a difference in words. But when it comes to our relationship with God in Christ, these are a difference of actual reality. That is, he says, for by nature, Christ is Lord and we are servants. Yet even in this, he lowers himself to the form of a servant, condescending below even his own nature, breaking the bread, washing our feet. Symbols which point to the ultimate condescension, and that is his passion and death on the cross, which lies before us. The events that unfold this night in the story of our salvation are overwhelming to try to comprehend. And it is tempting as we meditate on them and ponder them this night, it is te tempting for us to feel unworthy of the depth 
of love that God has shown for us through his son. I'd like to suggest as we've been working extra hard to battle temptation this Lenten season that this is one temptation that it might be okay to yield to. That is, to acknowledge that we are unworthy of this great love that God has for us. That's actually what makes it so great. There is a character in this evening's story that sometimes we are more comfortable overlooking, and it is that of Judas. But we can learn a great deal about the depth of God's love when we ponder Judas. Judas does not deserve to be loved by Jesus. He does not deserve to be loved by the very friend and Messiah whom he betrays. But in the mystical events which we remember this night, Jesus shows us that true love, God's love, is not a fair trade. In his washing of feet, breaking of bread, in his death on the cross, Jesus shows us that true love is not a trade at all. It is not a transaction, but an action. It is not a barter or an exchange, but a free gift of the lover to his beloved. A gift that does not seek its own, that does not seek any return. And this is the essence of God's love for us. There is no one who deserves true love because true love is not something that can be deserved. It is not contingent on the worthiness or the merit of the beloved. And this is good news indeed. If God's love was earned, none of us could afford it. But it cannot be earned. It can only be accepted. Some days this may seem more obvious to us than others. There are those days when it may not seem so obvious. When we are tempted to fall into the same trap, that trap of feeling so unworthy of God's love that we are unable to accept it. And we see in this evening's gospel that Peter starts to go down this road. When he sees Jesus approaching with this pitcher of water and basin, he says, whoa, you will never wash my feet. He does not feel worthy of this act. It doesn't seem right to him. It should be Peter that is washing Jesus' feet and not the other way around. But Jesus answers him, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. What he is saying to Peter is, if you do not accept my love for you, how is it that we're able to be in relationship with one another? And furthermore, how will you be able to share this love, my love, with others? So Peter, now understanding what Jesus is offering, rightly responds, Worthiness be darned, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. It is okay for us to feel unworthy of God's love. God does not love us as a result of our worthiness or unworthiness. He loves us all the same. And it, in fact, it is precisely our unworthiness that makes God's love what it is. The nature of God's love is revealed in the fact that while we were yet sinners, St. Paul writes, 
Christ died for us. And we see this mind-boggling goodness and grace and love of Almighty God in Jesus' relationship with Judas. Jesus knew full well the betrayal that was in Judas' heart and the pain that it would cause him. And yet he kneels down at the feet of his enemy, taking those dirty feet in his loving hands, and he washes them all the same. We see here the essence of God's love for humanity. True love is not deserved, but rather true love serves. Jesus chose to serve, to wash the feet of his disciples, symbolizing what will happen tomorrow, laying down his life, dying on the cross that he might wash away the sins of the world, that we might have life. Jesus loves Judas. Jesus loves you and me, not because any of us deserve his love, but because that's what Jesus does. That's who God is. Maundy Thursday is the celebration of God's true love for us, manifested through his son in his washing of the feet and his breaking of bread. Maundy comes from the Latin mandatum, which means commandment, from Jesus' charge this night to his disciples, I give you a new mandatum, I give you a new mandate, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You, Jesus said, should do as I have done to you. As we ponder the events that take place this night, I would like to suggest three simple tasks for us. Our first task is to be overwhelmed by the magnitude of love that God has for us through his Son, our Lord. Our second task is to receive that love, remembering Jesus' words, if I do not wash you, you have no part of me. And our third and final task is to follow his commandment and to love one another, to manifest that same divine love to others. Jesus says to his disciples and to us, blessed are you if you do these things. And we are enabled and empowered to fulfill this commandment, to accomplish this mandatum through the holy mysteries, the flesh and blood of our Lord given to us through this great sacrament, which he inaugurates this night, by which his love, God's love, divine love, is able to course through our own veins and radiate from our own hearts, he in us and we in him. Let us not turn away from Christ's love for fear that we don't deserve it, as Peter was tempted to do. Rather, let us embrace God's love for us with all the affections of our hearts that we might continue to be cleansed and renewed and strengthened, and healed, and saved by his loving grace, that we in turn might love and serve one another, as he commands us to do, with gladness and singleness of heart, through Christ our Lord. Amen.